say Jesus. Can we all stand up? Can we all stand up? We want to say hello to all our campuses. Everybody say East County. Say North County. Say San Isidro. Say City Heights. <laughs> Let's give all, and everybody online, everybody online, microsites, what's up? Let's go to football practice, y'all. Let's go to football practice. Everyone get your ready position. If you, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Amen. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Lord, we're ready. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the opportunity to be here today. We pray you bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Give someone next to you a high five. Give someone next to you a high five. Amen. Uh, before I start, I want to tell you about um, some legislation that is going through our state government that is going to threaten the existence of Christian universities. It's called SB1146. If you could put that up on the screen uh, and you will get an email about this. We are encouraging you to contact your assembly person and tell them how important religious universities, Point Loma, Biola, uh, um, all the religious universities in California are, and it's going to go through the country. SB 1146 threatens to take away their right to have chapel, to have Bible studies, and to have a Christian environment on their campus because of how uncomfortable it makes some students. And if they, if they, so what they're going to say is that if you, if this bill passes, they will take their Cal Grant money away which is tens of millions of dollars in some schools, which is how a lot of students are able to attend the school. Um, and so the schools can say, well, we don't want your money. Well, then they still can't do it because they can get sued and they will lose a lawsuit because it will be, it will be uh, considered discrimination. And so basically, you can't Bible study, can't force kids to go to chapel, uh, can't have prayer meetings that where, where people feel like, well, I'm being forced to do this because I, or I feel uncomfortable in this environment. Uh, so what we're going to ask you to do, and we are asking you to, to get involved, is to go to that website, text uh, uh, 1146 to 52525, go to our website, you'll get an email, and contact your um, the state le uh, legislator uh, and, and, and express your desire for them to reject this and to support the existence of our schools. This is on the university level. If it passes there, it'll, it'll, we assume it's going to come down to Christian schools like our school and all Christian schools, and then somehow get into churches. Uh, the government and the United States and the world is against the, God, the word of God. Can I get amen? You have to understand that. And they are, years ago, five years ago, I was talking about pastors going to prison uh, and the word of God being illegal and being a Christian being illegal. That is slowly, well, actually fastly happening. And so us sitting in here and talking freely about what the word of God says and saying it outside this building is, is rapidly being taken away from us. And so we want to do more than just pray about it. We want to act on it. And so this is one way to act on it. Amen? You'll get an email about it. You can go to our website um, and contact your um, state legislator. Amen? Amen? Let's pray for that real quick. This is a big deal. Lord, uh, we stand on the word of God. 
And we know that you are the rock of our salvation. You are immovable. And in the end, you win. However, we know we're in a battle. And so we pray that you would back down this legislation. This law would never become law. We know it's also being fought in other states. And we also know that, that the word of God and Christianity and our religious freedom is under attack. So we pray against the evil one from which the, the, where this comes. We pray you bind him, confuse him. But Lord, most of all, we pray your church would stand up and pray and be bold and get involved. And let our voice be heard. And mostly, always, do it in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, we need to do that. Okay. Everybody ready for church this morning? Someone say amen. Someone say Jesus. Let's see your Bibles on three. On three, let me see your Bibles. One, two, three. Say word. Turn to the book of Luke. Luke. Chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And it has been hot. Luke 24. Man, my breath. <laughs> um, last week we started a series called The Bible. And we're talking about can we trust the Bible. Last week we talked about what the Bible is. And people say it's the word of God. That is true. And we're going to talk about that today. But last week we talked about the fact that this book right here, whether you have it in the physical form or on your phone or iPad, that it represents the story, God's story of his relationship with man. Everyone say God's story of his relationship with man. God wants to have a relationship with you. And this book is that story. Today we're going to talk about how we can know these are the scriptures that God has given us. How can you be confident that this is the right, these are the right books and actually God's word. Even though it says it all through the Bible that it's God's word. It says it is written. It says God spoke. And we'll look at some evidence of how we can know. So I'm going to read a story to you because in this story, this very short passage, kind of gives us some insight into it. In chapter 24 of Luke, it says, uh, this is right after Jesus rose from the dead, right after Peter went to the tomb and found the tomb empty. It says, verse 13, chapter 24 of Luke, behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. This is the resurrected Jesus. But their eyes were restrained so they did not know him. Everyone say eyes were restrained. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? And one of those whose name was Cleopas answered and said, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have you not known the things that have happened in these days? He's talking to Jesus himself. Don't you know what's going on? <laughs> Are you been living under a rock? And he said to them, Jesus said, what things? And by the way, anytime Jesus asks a question in the Bible, and anytime he asks a question in the Bible, he already knows the answer. And so he's asking the question so they can talk and we can understand how they're thinking. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, 
who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things have happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but he, but him they did not see. And Jesus said, oh, foolish ones. Everyone say, oh, foolish ones. And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into glory. And then it says, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning him. Verse 27, let me read again. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning him. Verse 28. They drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he had go, would have gone further, and they constrained him, saying, please stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. He went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Then, everyone say then. Their eyes were opened. Say their eyes were opened. When I was in college, we, we, we uh, came up with this, this sound. We would go, cluck, cluck, when something happened, when you realized something. Or if you wanted someone to realize they should be realizing something, we would go cluck, cluck. Everyone say cluck, cluck. So they're eating and they go cluck, cluck. Say cluck, cluck. Their eyes were open. They said, well, something happened. And look what it says. It says in verse 31, their eyes were open and they knew him. And then he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn? Say, my heart burns. Did not their hearts burn within us when he talked with us and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them and gathered them together saying, the Lord is risen, indeed he has appeared to Simon. Uh, look at number one in your notes. The first word is the word canon. The word canon is, it says the authoritative rule of faith and practice and standard of doctrine and duty. The canon is what the church has said, this is the scriptures. This is the Bible, 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. The Old Testament is the foundation to the New Testament. This is the canon. This is the standard of rule of the books of the Bible. So number one, the number one standard, and by the way, this number one in your notes is the only one that really matters. Writings that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Writings that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. There is an objective reason that the scriptures are the scriptures. And there is a subjective. The objective is that the scriptures are the scriptures because God spoke them and that's it. The reason this is very important is because you will always get questioned, did man write the Bible and how did they get this book and, and, and how can you prove this? And there's volumes and volumes of books that defend how they picked the books of the Bible and how, the, how it was transcribed and how it was passed down and all that. And all that is amazingly Great and valuable. However, the reason that the scriptures are the scriptures is because God spoke them. That's it. I am my mother's son. Me being my mother's son has nothing to do with what evidence you have of that. You need to know that. I am my mother's son. Whether you believe that, criticize that, 
have evidence to that, have contrary. You may have 20,000 women that say, that's my son. Hey, that's my mother. And so what, why this is so critical is because when you read the Bible, when you share the Bible, when you speak scripture, you need to have evidence that God has breathed it out and it will work. It will never return void. And have confidence that God is going to validate himself, even though there is evidence you can know. But the Bible says, a man says in his heart there's no God, not his mind. And why that is important is that you can give some, some people, you can give all the evidence in the world of something. And because they don't want to believe it, they won't believe it. But we have to be confident that it is supernatural. Look at, look at this verse in your Bible, in your notes, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture... Is God breathed? Everyone say God breathe. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. What makes the Bible the Bible is not a group of men who said we have these letters. We have these scriptures. What makes the Bible the Bible is that God breathed it. The Holy Spirit anointed it. And through visions he spoke to men. Through dreams, he communicated to men. Through inner voice, he spoke to men. But the matter of fact, the Ten Commandments, the Bible says it was written by the very finger of God. That this right here, Jesus said when he was being tempted in, in Matthew chapter 4 by the devil, he said to the devil, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Right here, the word of, the word of God. And what makes something not the Bible is God didn't breathe it. It's not going to work. There are many books out there. That claim to be God's word. They have not the backing of the Holy Spirit. And they won't do anything in your life. And so what makes this, the Bible, objectively is that it is God's, God-breathed scripture. And so when you read it, you have to believe you're reading God's breathed, uh, the breath of God and the words of God. That he spoke to men through visions, through miracles, through nature. The Bible says in Psalm 19.1 that the heavens declare the glory of God. Everyone say the heavens declare the glory of God. When you go outside and you look at the stars, and, and, and by the way, the little twinkle twinkles you see up there, they are way out there. And all y'all who are into your zodiac, your horoscope, you scope it into the horror of your life, you know the... <laughs> those 12 zodiac signs, by the way, those 12 zodiac signs is a 12-part movie of the gospel that the devil perverted. That's what you're looking at. It declares the glory of God all year long, every year. God spoke to us through nature. The visible attributes are clearly seen in what God has made. And what God has made is consistent with what God spoke, is consistent with what God revealed in visions, is consistent with what God revealed in dreams, and is consistent with what God spoke and led men to write down. That is all the scriptures. Now, how man has come to understand that is a whole different deal we'll talk about here in a minute. But the fact is, that's what it is. And so you don't want to put your faith in man's ability to decipher. You want to put your faith in the ability of the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. And the Holy Spirit to communicate to men. Now, what men did do is that they discerned 
that the scriptures were the scriptures because of what they've done in people's lives. One, were the books, as a matter of fact, look at, look at verse 27. One of the ways we know the Old Testament is the word of God is that Jesus said so. Verse 27, beginning at Moses and the prophets. Let's stop right there. The term Moses and the prophets, the term the law and the prophets is code for the whole Old Testament. Jesus is saying, um, read the Old Testament. That's my father's word. There's a parable, a parable in the Bible where uh, uh, there's a Lazarus and the, and the poor man, and he, and he died, the rich man and Lazarus, Lazarus dies and goes to heaven, and he, sa- and he says, tell my brothers that there's a bad hell, out, that there's a hell down here. He says, they have the law and the prophets. They have the Bible. If they, don't, if they can't believe the Bible, there's nothing else I can do for them. So Jesus is saying to, to these two guys on the road, uh, the law and the prophets, they all talk about me. We're going to talk about that in a minute. That's the Bible. He validates the, New Test- the Old Testament. The New Testament, one of the ways they validated it is that they, every book that was written in the New Testament, or actually they were uh, letters, they were written to people while the author was still alive and while the people were still alive. And so people had opportunity to say, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true. It wasn't something that was written hundreds of years later by someone who memorized it. It was happened when written by people they knew and people that they can validate that is the author. We have these books coming out, the second book of Peter, the lost book of Thomas, where the author is not Thomas. But in the New Testament, they had books and letters, we call them books now, that were written by people that they knew. One, one evidence was, did this person really write this? Yes. Did this, was this person anointed by God? Yes. This is their evidence. Matter of fact, if you look in your notes, it says, for 2 Peter 1.21, prophecy never had its origin in the will of God. But by men from whom, from, but, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit of God. So what the church did is says, okay, is this letter, was it written by this person? Is this letter written by someone who's anointed by God? Is this letter something that moves me? Look at number two in your notes. The, did the writing give a consistent witness of Jesus Christ? Uh, this is so cool right here. Jesus wrote in verse 27, the Bible says in verse 27, at the beginning, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, Jesus expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So I want you to imagine this. Jesus is walking down the road. He just rose from the dead. He's talking to two guys. And he says, let me explain to you why you're, what you're missing. All the Old Testament that you guys have, it all talks about me. So let me explain to you what it says about me that you should have known. I want to read some stuff to you. In Genesis chapter 3.15, it talked about the seed of a woman crushing the, uh, Satan. In Isaiah 7.14, it talked about the Savior being born of a virgin. This is all Old Testament. In Micah 5.2, it talked about the Savior being born in Bethlehem. In Hosea chapter 11.1, it talks about the Savior being born in Bethlehem and fleeing to Egypt. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, it talks about John the Baptist or a forerunner preceding the Messiah. In Isaiah 42, 1 to 4, it talks about the Messiah preaching to the Gentiles. In Isaiah chapter 35, verse 5 to 6, it talks about the Messiah giving sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, it talks about the king presenting himself triumphantly when he did. 
In Zechariah 11, 12, it says the Messiah was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. In Isaiah 50, verse 6, it said he was beat and humiliated. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12, it says he was crucified with the other criminals. When I went to Egypt, I mean Israel, we had a Jewish guy for the whole week. And we talked to him about Isaiah where it talks about, it describes how Jesus was crucified. That he was beat, that his face was beaten, that his beard was pulled out. And that his face was beaten so bad you couldn't tell he was a man. In the Old Testament. This is all in the Old Testament. This is Jesus saying... (laughs) What you just saw, this, this was written about thousands of years before it happened. And these guys are listening to this. He's expounding on the scriptures. And what he's saying is that what was spoken before is true. I validate it. I affirm it. I confirm it. It's the word of God. In Psalm 22, verse 16, it says that the Messiah, not only was he crucified, he, his hands and feet were wounded. What is that? The nails on his hands and the nails on his feet. In Isaiah 53, 12, it says he was crucified with other criminals, one on the right, one on the left. In Zechariah 12, 10, it says he was wounded on his side. They stuck a spear in his side as he was on the cross to test that he was dead. And guess what came out when they stuck the spear in? Water and blood. Why? Because the plasma in his blood was separated from all the stress. And when they stuck the spear in his chest, it, it, it punctured his pericardium sac, peri's outer sac of the heart. Your heart is in a sac and, the, and his heart actually burst in his sac. And when they stuck the spear in his side, it bursted that sac. And this plasma, which looks like water, and the, and the red blood cells came out and it's separate. Old Testament. In Psalm twenty-two, eighteen, it says the soldiers gambled for Jesus' clothes while he was on the cross. Why? Because he had some nice clothes. He had designer robe. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 25, it talks about his public ministry ending at a certain date. In Psalm 22, it talks about the words he would say on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 9, it said he was buried in a rich man's tomb. In Psalm 16, verse 10, it says he resurrected. And in Daniel chapter 7, 13, it says he was, it describes his second coming. Why is this all important? Because all this was written long before Jesus came. And Jesus said to him, listen, fellas, all the stuff you just experienced, this was written about long before me. It was written in the scriptures. Why? Because the scriptures are the word of God. Why? Because they were inspired by my father who is eternal. And it's all scripted. It's all part of my relationship with you. I've been preparing you. It's anointed. This right here. No man could have written all that. Thousands of years. And remember we said the Bible is written by 40 people over 1,500 years on three different continents. And they wrote about all those things before they even happened. And then Jesus comes to fulfill it. Jesus came to, and there's many more that he fulfilled. He fulfilled all those, where he was born, how he was born, where he would flee, why he would flee. That there will be children crying out because Herod went out and killed little kids thinking that he was going to kill Jesus. All these things are predicted in the Bible. Why? Because it was anointed by God. Whether people believe it or not, and the fact that it was anointed by God will be evidenced by the power of God in the scriptures. Are y'all following me? Someone say amen. amen. Number three in your notes. The writings, scriptures are writings that burn in our hearts. That burn in our hearts hearts. It says in Luke chapter 24, verse 32, they said to one another, 
Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road? It is so important for you to read the word and let the word speak to your heart. It is so important for you to understand that the word of God is the word of God, whether who you're speaking to it believes it or not. Whether the world out there believes it or not. And that it will speak to your heart. And while these guys were speaking to Jesus, by the way, Jesus was the living word. (laughs) In other words, we talk next week about translation. (laughs) This right here is a translation of the heart of God. Jesus is a living human version of this. Can I say amen? And so Jesus says, I am this in human form and then some. And so here's Jesus speaking to them the word of God and their hearts are burning. It's like, why is this convicting me? Why is this speaking to me? How many of you have ever been to church and whether here or somewhere else and a preacher speaking or you listen to a radio program and you feel like this is speaking to me? Anybody? And that pastor, that guest speaker or that person giving their testimony or whatever does not know you. I've had people come to me and say, oh, that, that sermon is just so convicting. You just talked to me about not using drugs. I wasn't talking about using drugs. God was speaking to you. And while these guys were speaking to him, the evidence was that the word of God was speaking. It's alive. And as you come to church or you read the Bible, and the reason it's, it's so important to listen to the Bible, read the Bible, study the Bible, talk about the Bible, is because it's alive. It will burn in your heart. It will convict you. Matter of fact, right now, how many of you right now know of something in your life that God is gnawing at you to change? Okay, let's try this one more time because y'all are like, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so here's the deal. When you raise your hand like this, this is like, I don't want to see me. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> how many of y'all by show of hands? And here's how we raise the hand to rock. See, this is your this is your elbow. This is the front of your elbow. This is the bend in your elbow. This needs to go above your ear. Now, I guess you could do that, but above your ear. Okay, so people, so we can count. How many of y'all? God, God's saying, stop lying. Stop watching that pornography. Stop getting angry and being selfish. Stop raising your voice. Stop gossiping. You know, the Bible says the Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a human, a person. The difference, what makes you a human is his physical body. What makes you a person is your personality, your ability to have a relationship with God, your ability to love, to be kind, to be patient, to be encouraging like God. And your ability to have a relationship with God. That's what makes you a person. It's the immaterial part of you. The Holy Spirit's a person. So he can have a relationship with you. He can speak to you. But also he can go, oh, don't do that. How many of you have a, oh, don't do that in your life? Elbow above you. Anybody? Okay, yeah. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up real high. Look around the room. Look around the room. Ooh. Got people walking out going, "Ah, my hands up. (laughs) That's why I got to get on out of here. (laughs) And by the way, when we worship and we lift our hands, we are saying, I surrender. Two hands, I surrender. I surrender my garbage. 
I surrender my garbage. When you praise worship, when you praise and you praise your hands up, say, God, I surrender my garbage. And, and by the way, if you put your hands up like this, you are creating a funnel. Are you following me? Lord, pour it out right here, right between. I want to catch it all. Give it, give it, give it. And if you see people doing this, they're like, just give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. They're not like, like freaky. I, I remember when I was a kid, I used to see the hippies out and they would be dancing and all, you know. And that's, that's different. I mean, it's similar, but it's different. That's why when I first came to the Christian church and saw people doing this, I went back to the hippie and I was like, ah. And then I realized it's different. Lord, Lord, funnel it. Give it to me. Give it to me. Pour it. I'm pulling it down. I want it. Now, of course, you can't pull it down. It's symbolic of I want you. Are you following me? And so when all y'all who raise your hand and say you got stuff, God is like, can you just respond to that? If all you did was respond to that and the word of God speaking to you, the word of God written here. And by the way, how do you know that God's speaking to you? That when you hear a small, still voice in your heart that is consistent with the message of the Bible, just take that as God. Don't, don't overthink it. If something tells you, you should say sorry, don't overthink it. Well, maybe I'm just guilty and, well, maybe it's, you know, it's my mom. No, just say sorry. If something says you should stop smoking weed, well, you know, it's just my doctor. And, you know, it's, it's really just I saw a thing on TV last week, so I'm feeling a little scared. No, no, it, it's the word of God. It's that simple. If you're waiting for a note to fly out of heaven, it already did. It's right here, 66 books. That's the note. You don't need any more. Lastly, number four, this is the best one. This is number four. Look what it says in number four. Writings, how do we know this is the word of God? Writings that transform our lives, not self-help make you think better only, but actually changes your heart. It changes your heart. I don't have a desire to do that anymore. I actually have a desire to do things that I thought I would never have a desire to do. I want to read the Bible. I want to pray. I want to go to church. I, I want to raise my hands. I really do. I feel, I feel something pulling my hands up. But I also feel something pulling my hands down. That's called a spiritual battle. Ah, you don't need to raise your hands. You don't, need, you, don't need to, you don't need to get saved. You don't need to walk down there. Here you do. Why? For you. Because if you sit there and, oh, it's just a private thing between me and you, God. No, it's not private between you and God. It is a public thing. Jesus died in public. Look what it says in verse uh, 30. It says, now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it and gave it. And their eyes were opened. Say their eyes were opened. And they knew him. You know what God's word does? Let me go back to 2 Timothy and read this to you. I just want to read this to you. It says, all scripture... And by the way, Scripture is used over 50 times in the Bible. It refers to the Old Testament. It refers to the New Testament. It refers to the Gospels. It, it, it refers to the Epistles. All Scripture, everyone say all Scripture, is God-breathed. That's what makes it Scripture, God-breathed. The church doesn't make a Scripture. God made a Scripture already. The church discovers that, but the, God already decided that. And it's God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. What do I learn for? How, teach me what? How to be like God. Rebuking, rebuke what? When I'm not like God. Correcting, when I'm not like God. Training in righteousness so I can be like God. That's what it's for. I need to be like God. Why? God created us to be like him. He created us in his image so we should bear his image. And when we sin, we don't bear his image. So we got to read the word so we can bear his image the way we were designed. That's what it's for. It's not just so I can read it. It's so I can change. It's not so you can have information in your head. Only. 
That information needs to go to your heart so it can change you. So here they are talking to the word of God and their eyes were open. Something changed. I see it. I see it. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active. It's alive. Sharper than any two-edged sword piercing the division of the soul and spirit's joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of, their heart, of your heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. The word of God is living and active. What does that mean? Is that it will speak to you. It will encourage you. It will correct you. It will jam you up. How many of y'all been jammed up by the word of God? Okay. It's like, yo, what, what, what? As you're talking, you, as you're talking garbage, the Holy Spirit says, shut your mouth. Can I get an amen, anybody? And, and you start to get all choked up like, man, I shouldn't be saying this. And the Holy Spirit is like, shut your mouth, shut your mouth. And you're like, oh, because the Holy and, 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 and then some of you out there huh, guzzling down. The Holy Spirit said, uh, uh, you've already had 15 drinks to get it, put it down. And the Holy and you're out there cursing, you're out there getting ready to go and bed at somebody or watch something. And the Holy Spirit says, stop, 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 stop. Why? Because it's a relationship. Remember, the Bible is all about your relationship with God. And the Word of God is living and active. In a minute, we're going to pray. And some of y'all, <laughs> you have to surrender your life to Jesus. Because you've been pushing God away and the word of God is saying, when are you going to give up? When are you going to give your life to me? Some of you have never asked Christ to be your savior and some of you have, but you're still living life your way. It's all about you. Well, the story of the Bible is that it's all about Jesus. <laughs> He's the main character. And the story of the Bible is that we need to surrender our life to him by faith, trusting his word. And for some of you, he's speaking to you. He's saying, it's time to surrender. For some of you, that means salvation. For some of you, you just need to surrender because you, you're holding on to something. You know what it is. And the Spirit of God is speaking to you. You know what it is. It's greed, it's selfishness, it's pride, whatever. Anger. You're mad at God because something happened when you were a little kid and you're blaming God when in fact God's not the one who did it. He's the one who sustained you through it. And you need to surrender to God because the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, which is living and active, sharpened and a two-edged sword, is speaking to you and calling you into relationship, deeper relationship. So in a minute I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to pray with me if you want to walk deeper into relationship with God. Whether it be that salvation or whether it be just walking away some of the things you've been holding on to that you need to let go of. You know what they are. The Spirit of God is speaking to you and he wants you to respond to him. With action. So eyes closed, heads bowed. I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Eyes closed, head bowed. I want you to prepare yourself. Because the Spirit of God is saying, can you trust me this one time? Can you trust me this one time? And stop worrying about what people are going to think. And surrender yourself to me. That's what God wants. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I believe you love me and you want relationship with me. And I believe your word is God-breathed. It is profitable for teaching, correction, rebuke, training in righteousness. Making me more like Jesus. 
I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. And I believe God wants a relationship with me. God wants me to be holy. He wants to separate me from my ways. If you would like that as you're listening to me right now, I want you to pray. I surrender, God. I surrender. Change me. Burn in my heart. Open my eyes. Make me more like you. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, I'm going to ask you to stand if you prayed that prayer. And no matter what campus you're in, there's going to be somebody there to pray with you. But if you prayed that prayer, because the Word of God is speaking to you, the Spirit of God is speaking to you, I want you to be bold today and trust Him and come to Him. Don't overthink it. Oh, what's going to happen next? And I don't understand. <laughs> By faith, you trust Him. And you walk away from your old life. Because if you don't walk away from your old life, you will live in your old life. It will never be your old life. It will just be your life. So many of you raise your hand and say, I got to walk away from something. This is your chance to say, Lord, I'm, I'm all in. We're going to have you stand in a minute. Now, and I want you to think about the opportunities we have here. Life class, life group that you're going to walk into that relationship. You're going to walk into the next step that we have for you in a minute and say, Lord, I want to get plugged in and I want to change and I really want the help the church has for me. And so we're not just asking you to walk forward, we're asking you to walk into a relationship with us where we can help train you, disciple you. So eyes closed, heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer and you're saying, yes, Lord, I want to change. I'm going to ask you to stand on the count of three. One, get your legs ready. Two, get your heart ready. Three, stand to your feet. If you prayed that prayer, just stand to your feet. God bless you. 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 Very We'll do one more thing now. Everything is about next steps, not about the last step. And you start thinking about, oh my gosh, what are we going to do the next step and all that stuff. So here's your next step. For those of you that are standing, your next step is to come down forward. Don't worry about anything else or anything like that. You're going to come forward. Everybody else is going to clap for you. So if you stood up, go ahead and come on down. If you're up in the balcony, all you have to do is turn and walk up and the ushers will bring you down. Come on forward.
God bless you. Go ahead and come on forward. There's always room. There's always room. If there's anybody else, you can come on forward. Come on forward. Praise God. Praise God. That's right. This is the most important thing to remember. Because that any like unlike any other word that you've heard, unlike any other book that you've read, God's word is transforming. Which means you have the hope that when you read it, you will change. That things will be changed. You'll be challenged to do something. You'll have new truths exposed, hope understanding. You know, God came down and he spent 33 years on this earth, died and then went and then, but then brought his Holy Spirit to come live inside of you. And one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to help reveal scripture. So what I'm trying to tell you is, is that you don't have to do this alone. God is with you. That's Jesus. When he said, they said Emmanuel was one of the names of Jesus. What does that mean? That means God with us. Okay. God says he promises never to leave you or forsake you. Doesn't say he's going to take all your problems away, but he's going to walk with you every step of the way. Not only that, you have a family behind you. You have a family. You, have, you are now adopted into a new family. And so we're going to pray for you, and then what your next step is, is you're going to turn and you're going to go that way, and they're going to give you some information on what your next step is. Okay. Remember, it's not as much about the destination as it is about the journey along the way. Okay. We are going to be with God in the end, and that is the ultimate goal, and that is great. But along the way, he's got steps for you. He's got plans for you. Okay? And we want to help you discover that. We're your family. Father, I thank you for these men and women. I thank you for their decision to surrender, their decision to not only uh, come and stand before you here, but to give their lives to you. So I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would continue to reveal truth to them, that they would feel your presence, that they would feel your love. I pray, Lord, that you would put people in their lives that would continue to support them and encourage them in their walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, you want to turn this way, that lady right there, we're going to walk on down, and we're going to clap them all the way in. Let's go. Let's clap them up. <laughs>